Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Lord of all creation, you reign over the deepest depths and the highest heights. Give us humble hearts to approach your throne of mercy and love. Open our eyes to see your majestic face and hear the beautiful words you want us to hear. Send your spirit among us that our lives may be changed and your kingdom may be advanced. At the name of Jesus we pray, amen. The scripture today comes from John 18, 33 through 38. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you ask this on your own or do others tell you about me? And Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed me over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked, so are you a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is the truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. Do you all know the difference between uh, monarch butterflies and viceroy butterflies? Okay, cool, because <laughs> my sermon would be ruined if you did. So um, <laughs> I uh, thought that like fifth grade science would come rushing back to me when I started this, but well, it didn't. But <laughs> we're going to play a little game this morning. Uh, we're going to play a little game called Monarch or Mimic. Uh, I'm going to have Jake show you a picture, and then I'm going to ask you, is this a monarch or a viceroy? So there are subtle differences, and you may be able to notice them, and you may not. I'm hoping for the latter, but I'm also hoping you do well. You can do it. All right, so picture one. This is this a monarch or a viceroy? If you think it's a monarch, put your hand up. If you think it's a viceroy, put your hand up. Okay, this is indeed a monarch butterfly. Well done, well done. Very good job. Um, they're not going to be so easy, the rest of them, from here on out. So, all right, so why don't you show picture number two, Jake? All right, this one. Is this a monarch or is this a viceroy? If you think it's a monarch, put your right hand up. If you think it's a viceroy, put your other hand up. Okay, cool. Uh, this is indeed a viceroy. Well done. Good job. That's, uh, that's, that's a mimic, even though they look quite similar. But uh, yeah, all right, why don't you go ahead and show the third one? All right, monarch or viceroy? All right, hand up. Monarch? Viceroy? All right, so majority viceroy. This is a monarch butterfly. I know. You think, I know. It's hard. It's hard to tell the difference. It's all right. Well, you'll get it. Don't worry. I've got one more for you. So hold on. We'll see if everybody can get, uh, anyone can get 100%. All right, monarch or viceroy? Which one do you think? If you think it's a monarch, put your hand up. I think it's a viceroy, put your hand up. This is also a monarch because I'm not going to make it easy on you and go every other one. That's not going to happen. So, um, so, so these are, that's the four of them. That's what you got. All right. So uh, why don't I go ahead and show you a little slide though that shows you how you can tell the visual difference. So you can see pretty clearly uh, the text is not very visible, but that's okay. So on the right, on my right hand side, which is uh, which is that one that has the 
arrow pointing a little bit diagonally that way with the purple flowers in it. That is a monarch butterfly. Now the monarch butterfly has a distinct wing pattern. Um, they're very similar to the viceroy, but the wing pattern is different in that there is no black bar that bisects the wings. So if you look at the viceroy over on my left, uh, the one without the flowers in the picture, that is a viceroy. See how there's that little black bar that goes across the wings? That is one of the major visual differences between a viceroy and a monarch. But otherwise, they look pretty darn similar. You know, the differences are real subtle. Oh, if you got all four right, by the way, come see me in the youth room afterwards. I have Reese cups for you. So, <laughs> good job. <laughs> so, <sighs> now, for those of you who didn't guess correctly like me at first, well, it's okay. <laughs> Sometimes what we think we know ends up being different from reality. The people in Jerusalem probably needed to hear that many years ago as Jesus was brought before Pilate. See, there was a lot at stake for the Jewish people in the time of Passover. In order to understand a little bit about what was going on in the biblical passage that was just read, you probably should know a little bit of Hebrew history. So let me fill you in. Passover was a meal and a time of celebration for the Israelites. It reminded them of the time they were slaves in Egypt, and Yahweh set them free from their captivity. Unfortunately, the Israelites found themselves under captivity again, but instead of Egypt, during the time of Jesus, it was Rome. While they were allowed to follow their religious customs, it was clear that Rome was in charge. They were collecting taxes, they were imposed Caesar's reign on all the people. A lot of these Jewish people sought to be out from under the thumb of Roman rule, and they thought that would happen through the coming of someone called the Messiah. Now, Messiah is a fancy word that can be interpreted as king, but that's more because it's literally translated as anointed one. Now, if you know a little bit about Old Testament, you know that anointing is kind of a big deal when it comes to kings. Saul, the first king of Israel, was anointed. And then, while David was still a shepherd boy, Samuel anointed him as a king as well. So, the Jewish people were looking for their coming king, who was of the line of David. It was this expectation of a coming Messiah that the people of Israel through that Messiah, would be free once again. Now, when Pilate hears that Jesus was called King of the Jews, he seemed really curious. Pilate only asks Jesus questions. Ironically, this is usually how Jesus talks to people. <laughs> Always asking questions. But here in this passage, Jesus answers Pilate, sort of. Jesus is really cryptic. He answers Pilate's line of questioning without really answering it at all. See, Pilate doesn't really have the messianic expectation that the Jewish people do. Pilate's Roman. The next few verses after the ones that were read detail the people's denunciation of Jesus as king of the Jews. They don't want him. Pilate doesn't care what happens to Jesus, but the people do. 
Because Jesus is not the king that they want. Jesus is not the king that they want. They want somebody with authority. They want a king with a sword to take their land back from Rome. But instead, they get a Messiah who testifies to the truth. The Jewish people held a deeply embedded belief that the Messiah would be a war hero, and instead, they were offered a carpenter from Nazareth who healed the sick and fed the poor. You remember when I asked you if I could spot the difference? There's, uh, there's actually a whole lot more differences between a monarch and a viceroy than just the way that they look. Monarchs are actually toxic. So if you were to eat one, which I don't know why you would, but if you were to eat one, uh, they feed on milkweed. And so they wouldn't, uh, <laughs> they wouldn't taste very good. Now the viceroy, see, the viceroy mimics the monarch because it actually tastes good to predators. So, but since it's taken on the appearance of a monarch, it's like, no, I'm not going to get eaten now because I look enough like the one that doesn't, you know, the toxic one, that uh, the predator might get ill. Or at the very least, it might have a bad taste in its mouth. Go to the next one. Yeah, like that. <laughs> one is toxic and one is palatable. But there's a huge difference that we haven't talked about. Viceroys lack a significant element. Monarchs, see, they migrate. Monarchs move. They move in hordes. They move to different climates. Viceroys, they don't do this. I'm not entirely sure why. But monarchs will cluster together in massive groups. And we're actually in the path of one of those. So at a certain time, a couple weeks ago, I saw just a ton of monarch butterflies flying through. As a matter of fact, my daughter caught one. And I have a picture that I forgot to give to Jake, but it's cute. <laughs> they fly everywhere. And they fly together as a massive bundle. They go up to Canada, they go down to Mexico because it's warm sometimes and it's cold sometimes. Y'all, you probably remember how migration works. Some people do this in real life too. They're called snow bunnies. <laughs> Where I'm from, when everybody leaves because it gets cold. But, you know, people don't do that here. Maybe you leave when it gets really hot. <laughs> Perhaps you're wondering why I'm giving you this impromptu biology lesson during the sermon. <laughs> Here's why. Christ as king has nothing, or has a whole lot to do with monarchs and viceroys. There's a book called How to Think Theologically by Howard Stone and James Duke. In it, they lay out two distinct kinds of theology, embedded and deliberative. Embedded theology is the kind of stuff we learn as kids, sometimes in Sunday school. You know, God's on our side, the Bible is God's word, things like that. But we learn a lot of things from our parents and from culture as well about God that might not always be helpful or they can be issues of opinion. Things like God helps those who help themselves or God punishes his children or God, you know, is male and that's that. 
God, is, God hates certain kinds of people. Some of this can get embedded in us at a young age. Or it can get embedded in us when we decide that we want to become followers of Christ. Now, deliberative theology is, well, just as it sounds. It's theology that's done on purpose. It's reasoned. It's critically analyzed. It's tested theology that bumps up against the realities of not only one person, not only myself, but also many people, my neighbors, friends, and even enemies. This is theology with intention. This isn't just what we learned in Sunday school or what our parental figures taught us on the way to and from our places of education. Now, neither of them are essentially good or bad in and of themselves, but one is certainly more whole. I think the people who wanted Jesus to be a conquering king had embedded in them that the Messiah would come and rescue them. They were looking for one specific thing. But that thing ended up looking like something else. They asked for a viceroy when they needed a monarch. The two are similar enough, right? Apparently not. Christ the king was ready to migrate. He wanted to take as many people along as he could. He preached the gospel. He showed the people good news. He set people free from their captivity. This wasn't necessarily the king people were looking for. But this is the king we got. Maybe it's time we start reevaluating our embedded theology as a people. I'm not asking us to get rid of it. Only that we take a good, hard look at what we believe. See, embedded theology really has to do with baggage. It carries a lot of baggage with it. What's embedded in us by our parents and our Sunday school teachers carries with it a sense of identity. Who we are sometimes gets wrapped up in what we learned about God a long time ago. But friends, Christ the King calls us to believe in God on purpose. What we learned as kids isn't always what we need to know today. To acknowledge Jesus Christ as our king means to rethink a king who conquers by sword and instead conquers through humility, even unto death. Perhaps there's a part of your identity that's so wrapped up in a piece of your theology that you may never be willing to let it go. And I don't blame you. I get that. Emotional connections to our beliefs are part of what it means to be a person. If we didn't believe it, then we wouldn't care about it. But don't let that be the only reason that you believe in something. Take your time. Take your time. Deliberate. Reason. Question. Doubt. These are good things. When Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Jesus didn't respond. But I think that's because he already told him. Jesus, the risen king, is truth. Maybe it's time to allow our theology to migrate alongside the monarch. Maybe it's time to do this stuff on purpose. Instead of seeking out a cheap imitation that's palatable like a viceroy. God is spirit. God moves like a monarch. 
God moves like the wind. So, let's get migrating. Amen.